I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm glad to be back in the pulpit. I have gone through six to eight weeks of severe bronchial asthma. I've had asthma all my life. It's been with me forever. I had it when I was a kid in the 40s. Back in the 1940s, nobody knew anything about allergies. They weren't even allergists, I don't believe, at that time. But I was checked for allergies about 20 years ago. I've been under treatment to a to a allergist. He checked me for 60 things, and I was allergic to 48, and some of them very severely, like like ragweed and elm and all grass and all trees and all and rabbit hair and cat hair and all pollen and dust of every kind. It's just part of what God did to me to cause me to be humble to Him. As He'll do that to you. I've been, I'm back where kind of where I left off when I quit teaching. I'm back. I'm going to start telling you some things about demons. Demons are man's imagination. There's no such thing as demons. I don't care how many people say there is. I've probably done more research on this than anybody out there. I've got a library in my home. I've got thousands of books in my library. And I've got unbelievable amount. They all say the same things about demons. I've got a title up here, Documentation of the Truth About Demons. I'm going to document as much as I can. I may just pull one page after another just to show you things. Things to remember. Theos, which is the word God in the Greek, and daemonion, which is the word, our word demon. Uh, anytime you find devil, you have to find out which word it is. It'll either be diabolos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S, or it'll be daemonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. And daemonion is our word demon. So I'm talking about daemonion. Diabolos is the same word in Spanish, in Italian, and in Greek. It means a traducer, one who leads astray or deceives. But what we're talking about is this daemonion. I believe the Pentecostal movement has propagated this more than any other movement in the world, the the thing of demons. Theos and daemonion were interchangeable among the pagan people. They'd use demon as quick as they'd use theos, or theos as fast as they'd use demon. We need to understand that demons were deified ancestors. That's I remember when I was a kid and being school and some teacher would mes- mention uh, Shintoism in Japan. Shinto, S-H-I-N-T-O. That was ancestor worship. Well, believe it or not, everything is ancestor worship, ancestor worship. And they what they did is they deified. To deify means to make into a god. D-E-I-F-Y, D-E-I-F-Y. A deity is a god. 
And when you look at the different words for daimonion, when it shows you D-A-I-M-O-N, it will say in your concordance, a God. But it doesn't mean the God. It just means an imaginary God that people have imagined. What they did, they would take some righteous person and the pagans would deify them. They did this with Noah. They deified Noah as Tammuz, the fish god of the ancient world. And Tammuz was a fish god and a sun god. And then they deified Dagon among the Philistines. Tammuz was the fish god among the Babylonian myth makers, Babylonians, Babylonian. And Dagon, dog, is the word fish in the Hebrew. And daga, D-A-G-A-H, is plural, plural. And Dagon was the, the fish god of the Philistines, you remember when the Ark was captured, Ark of the Covenant, at Philistines, and they set up the Ark of the Covenant in the in the Temple of Dagon there in First Samuel, the third chapter, about the fifth chapter, I believe it was. They said in Dagon, Dagon ended up falling down, breaking his arms off, breaking his head off, so forth. And they had to get get it out of the temple of Dagon. Dagon was originally Noah. And they deified everything that they could. And they deified, uh, they deified Noah and these pagan gods here. They deified everything they could. Even after, after Gideon died, he had made a golden ephod. And they, and it was, it was, they took the gold ephod after Gideon died and began to worship it. They would worship anything, turn it into a god. Well, that's what they did. Now, let me get back over here to the things we have to remember. Now, I told you that, that these were deified ancestors. The ancestors would be represented in the form of genes. Your genes is your makeup. Well, if you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. G-N-I-I, excuse me. You have to believe in genies. Genie comes the word gene. That's where it comes from. That was their ancestors. If you're in Israel here, and you cross the border to go over into an Arab country, immediately what they call demons in Israel, they call genies in these countries over here. So if you believe in demons, you must believe in genies. Demon means to distribute. Daemonion means to distribute fortunes. That's what it means. Or to apportion to apportion means to distribute. And that's the way some of them will put it. Well, if you go over here into the Arab countries, genies give you three wishes. I keep saying, the three of the original genie or the original demon that distributed fortunes, that was what was in the tree in the garden, in the midst of the garden. There was a tree, 
And Eve looked at the tree and saw a tree that was good for food. It was pleasant to the eye. Pleasant to the eye. And it would make her wise. Now, John said, if you're going... John said in 1 John, 1 John 2, 16, all that's in the world, all the fortunes that's in the world, all in world. If you'll notice, everything that's in the world comes in threes, the same thing you get from a genie. Three wishes. Good for food. John said all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are the same three things that she saw in the tree. Pride of life. And I love the fact that it was that it was pleasant to the eye. Idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A, comes from two words, ido and latruo. La truo, T-R-E-U-O, it means to serve, la truo, what you see. So that's where idolatry comes from. And she looked at the tree and she saw the three gifts of her ancestors, or the genie, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's everything in the world that you can distribute to yourself. Let's get back to this list over here. So, if you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. They're one and the same thing. I've got a paper here, and everybody needs to get this. It's a paper on... I took it out of... of, uh, I took it out of the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. I don't know if I've got it here handy. But it's it's about demons and spirits. They interchange in this. It comes out of Hastings' Encyclopedia Religion. They interchange demons, spirits, genies, totems. If you study anything in the world, it's going to tell you. It's going to speak of totems in every culture of the world. You think of that as only the American Indian. Well, if you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. They're the same thing. You have to believe in totems. Totem means kinfolk. That's, that's, that goes along with ancestors, kinfolk. That's what it means. If an Indian has a totem pole and it's got an eagle on the top, one thing it never does, they, that tribe never kills an eagle. If it's got a wolf, it never kills a wolf. You've got a totem for each tribe. And that means that's their kinfolk. It's got a badger. They never kill a badger. If it's got a fox, they never kill a fox. That is their totem, their kinfolk. That's why among the Hindus, they don't believe in killing any animals. That's why they let cows run loose in India. And they feed the cows. They feed the cattle because they say... That's their ancestors. They never step on a bug. That could be their grandmother or their great-grandmother. It's insanity. What it is, it's insane. That's what they're doing. This is all insanity. So you've got to believe in totems. You have to believe in fairies. 
Fairies are the same thing as genies and demons. Even fairy tales, all, all the fairy tales are merely ancient stories retold. I've got a book over here. Let me, let me get this book. Oh, I got it right here in front of me. This is, this is by Boomer Books. I'd heard about these for years. I chased it down. It's by John Thackeray Bunce. Fairy tales, their origin and meanings. They'll tell you that fairy tales are actually, uh, that they are the same thing as demons and genies. And what do you get from fairies? You get wishes, don't you? And they distribute wishes. That's the same thing as demons distributing fortunes. That's the same thing as genies. I'm going to read some. I'm going to read some out of this fairy tale thing to you. It's not talking about all the fairy tales date back into the ancient world, going to different cultures, and they'll tell you what they mean. Let me read some to you. I'm trying to document where this comes from. All this stuff. Now he says. He's talking about red dwarfs, dwarfs. You got good fairies and bad fairies. You got good demons and bad demons. Demons in the first century were all good. They, the word demonion didn't mean something evil when they invented it. It meant your ancestors, and your ancestors were guardian angels following you around, leading you to good fortune, getting you a job, making you money. Uh, having you come into a windfall, which is into some money or some inheritance. But let me read this to you. It's talking about evil fairies and good fairies who go about watching the bad fairies come just in time to drive them away and to prevent them from doing harm. That's what the good fairies do. It's the same thing. What's amazing, it's crept into our cartoons. And and it's crept into Bugs Bunny cartoons, all the cartoons. You'll see them. They'll have a little demon on one shoulder, and it'll be whispering evil things in the ear, and it'll have a little pitchfork, have little horns. We've all seen that, haven't we? And then on the right shoulder, it'll have a little angel with wings. What's funny, it'll have a sun god, a halo over the angel's head, and that's evil. That's really amazing to me. And it'll be whispering good things in the ear. So you got a good demon and a bad demon, a good fairy and a bad fairy. Now let me listen to me. I may I may just get in the middle of this. Speaking of little red dwarfs, they bring up hidden treasures. They distribute fortunes. Uh then he goes on to say, or they mount a horse that goes more swiftly than the wind and go off on a long journey and find the water of youth and life. They're going to do nothing but good. Fairy tales are all about good and good winning and everybody else and the bad losing. Yeah, isn't that right? So that's good and bad fairies. And then he goes on to say, if he doesn't like work, it is again just the place to suit idle people. The Bible says idleness is evil. You can't be idle and be good. Because in all the midsummer holidays... I never heard of a school in fairyland. You don't have to learn anything there. Everything's just happy, happy, skip along through the daisies and go into heaven someday. Nor of masters with canes, nobody's beating anybody. 
or birch rods nor of impositions. They're not going to impose anything on anybody. And long lessons to be learned when one gets home in the evening. There's no lessons to be learned, no studying. Everything's just happy. That's a fairy tale. That's the message that these preachers are preaching in America. Fairy tales. Then the weather is delightful. There's no bad weather. It is perpetual sunshine. Happy. That's what fairy tales are. That's what these preachers are preaching when they say God wants you rich, He wants you healthy. That's a fairy tale. So you may lie out in the fields all day without catching cold. See, there's nothing bad in fairy tales unless it's a bad fairy. There are trolls. They were bad fairies. There were gnomes. They were bad fairies. They could devour babies. And yet it's not too hot. The sunshine being a sort of twilight in which you see everything quite clearly but softly with beautiful colors. That's a fairy tale. That's what Kenneth Copeland and all those in Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes is preaching. A fairy tale. A fairy tale Jesus. If you were in a delightful dream, and this goes on day and night, at least what we call night, but they don't burn gas. There are no candles. No work of any kind, not even in the form of candles. Wonderful, pleasant temperature all the time in a fairy tale. That's what preachers are preaching. And anything of that kind. So there is no regular going to bed and getting up. You just lie down anywhere you want to rest. And when you have rested, you wake up again and go on your travels. No problems. There is one capital thing about fairyland. There are no doctors there. No one in the whole country. Consequently, consequently, Nobody is ill. And there are no pills or powders or brimstone. And triacle or senna tea are being kept at home when you want to go out or being obliged to go to bed early and have gruel instead of cake. No, you, you, everything is pleasant in a fairy tale. That's what the preachers are preaching. They're preaching a demon tale. They don't want the doctors because if you cut your finger, it gets well directly. Boom, it's over. And even when people are killed or are turned into stone or when anything else unpleasant happens, it can all be put right in a minute or two. That's a fairy tale. That's the preachers of today saying we need to prosper in money and be in health. And that's not even what that's about. All you have to do when you are in trouble is go and look for some wrinkled old woman in a patched old brown cloak, be very civil to her, and do cheerfully and kindly any service she asks you, and then she will throw off the dark cloak, become a young and beautiful fairy queen. And you're a winner. That's what the Charismatics are saying, and the Baptists. And wave a magic wand and everything will fall out just as you would like to have it as to time they take no note of it in fairyland I preached a message a while back America's living in a fairyland it's all feel good doctrine 
The princess falls asleep for a hundred years, wakes up quite rosy, young and beautiful. Friends and sweethearts are parted for a year and nobody thinks they grow older when they meet. It's all fun and games and wonderful. That's what fairies are. Thus the dwellers of fairyland have no cares. That's what these preachers are preaching today. About chronology, with them there is no past or future. It is all present, so there are no disagreeable dates to learn, nor tables of kings when they reigned, or who succeeded them, or what battles they fought, because there's no battles. It's all wonderful. It's just prospering being health. Except that's not what the word prosper means. It means a well way and it's a narrow way. Indeed, there are no such facts to be learned. Let me skip on down here. I've got a lot to read to you. All the chief stories that we know so well are to be found in all times, almost all countries. Cinderella, for one, is told in the language of every country in Europe. That's a fairy tale. And the same legend is found in the fanciful tales related by Greek poets. And still further back, it appears very ancient Hindu legends. This all started back in the ancient world. So again, does Beauty and the Beast, Jack the Giant Killer. This is all fairy tales. It all ends with the winter coming out ahead, doesn't it? That's what that's what's going on in the churches, a fairy tale. Fairy stories each being told in different countries in different periods, with so much likeness as to show that all the virgins came from the same source. None of the virgins are directly copied from each other. Indeed, when we compare myths and legends of one country with another, remember when Bi- when the Bible says that we are not to listen to 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 fables. Fable is the word muthos or myths. That's what fairy tales are. You see, we have to go through tribulation and trial, and that there's no tribulation and trial in fairy tales. That's what these preachers are preaching. We find out how that they have come to be so much and yet things so different. We see that there must have been one origin for all these stories, that they must have been invented by one people. Now, let me, I've got a whole lot of things I could read to you, but let me read to you. A, uh, it's, a, it's at the end of the book. Conclusion, some popular tales explained. The old Aryan myths. Aryan, boy, that's what fairy tales are, A-Y-R-A-N. That's what Adolf Hitler was looking for, a superior race. He was looking for the fallen angels from Genesis, the sixth chapter, A-Y-R-A-N. By the way, Aryan, that's what they called King King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. King Arthur was supposed to be the picture of the sun god. 
Morgan Le Fay was his sister, and she was the one that he had a child by, Modred, if you remember that. Modred turned out to be an evil, evil person that tried to take over the kingdom. You can go into the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion, look up Arian Tales. Arian, or you can look up King Arthur, Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. You can look up Arthur, and it will tell you. It, they will tell you the truth in the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. They'll tell you that Merlin, Merlin was a picture of Satan. He's the man with the magic. And Merlin could shift shape. Among these pagans, shape-shifting was something did. That goes all the way back to the garden when Satan turned himself into a serpent. And the amazing thing about serpent, Nakash, one writer says it means to enchant. And that goes along with fairies, with demons. Enchant or kill with the eye. Well, Eve looked at the tree and she died spiritually, didn't she? So that's what that's talking about. She died spiritually. When she looked at the tree, she partook of the tree, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let me get on further in this. Let me read this. And this is going to tell you what this is all about. The Aryan myths. Hitler was looking for the fallen angels when he sent Himmler to Tibet, and he brought back... The reason he sent him to Tibet because he thought... The Tibetan Buddhist worshippers were superior. They were taller, had longer arms, longer legs. And he thought he was going to get a, get a superior race. And what he did, he got their religion. He got the Suvasti. Suvasti. Tibet is right over there under China. And Suvasti was swastika, which means it is good has the basic same meaning as amen it's just it's just a it was a fake amen is what it was let me read some of this there are four stories which we know best Cinderella Little Red Riding Hood this all is demon tales it's fairy tales and Jack the Giant Killer, and Jack and the Beanstalk. <clears throat> and the last two of these belong especially to English fairy lore. I started to tell you, Morgan Le Fay, Arthur's sister, he's, she's the one that became pregnant, and she, she had a baby who rebelled against Arthur. If you've seen any of those, they've, they've done a good job in there was one called Excalibur. Modred comes up and attacks Arthur. And that was, he was kind of a type of Satan himself. Well, Morgan Le Fay comes from Moore and Le Fay. Moore in England 
is the sea. It means sea. The moors are where the sea starts. And la fay means fairy. So this is the sea fairy, the same thing as Tammuz or Dagon. The sea fairy. It crisscrosses in every culture. It's astounding how they have fooled the world. And he's moved it into the churches in America. In the early 50s, when I was a kid, only the Pentecostals talked about demons. Now the Baptists are talking about them. There's no such thing as demons. Now, let me read this to you. Now, about the story of Cinderella, we saw something of her in the first chapter, how she is Eustress, the dawn maiden, the dawn maiden, the sun coming up. That's the sun god, or the sun goddess. Arians and the aurora of the Greeks and how the prince is the sun. He rises up and she's the sun maiden. Ever seeking to make the dawn his bride. That's sun worship. And how the envious stepmother and sisters are the clouds and the night. Which strive to keep the dawn and the sun apart. The story of Little Red Riding Hood, as we call her, or Little Red Cap, that's what she's called among the pagans, as she is called in Riding Hood, as, uh, as, as she is called in German tales, also comes from the same source and refers to the sun and the night. What if I said light and dark? Prison, light and darkness. The Gentiles were in the dark until Acts 2. God poured out of His Spirit on all flesh and they received the light. They come out of prison. You all know the story so well that I need not repeat it. How Little Red Riding Hood was going with nice cakes and a pat of butter to her poor old grandmother. How she meets on the way with a wolf and gets into talk with him and tells him where she is going and how the wolf runs off to the cottage to get there first and eats up the poor grandmother. This is all sun and tree worship. It dates back to the ancient world. It didn't just start in Israel. It started back long before that in Babylon. And puts on her clothes and lies in her bed. How little Red Riding Hood, knowing nothing of what the wicked wolf has done, comes to the cottage and gets ready to go to bed to go to go to bed to her grandmother and how the story goes on this way. Grandmother, what a great arms you have got. This is to hug you with better, my dear. Grandmother, what great ears you have got. This is be- this is to hear you better, my dear. Grandmother, what great eyes you've got. This is what that that is to see you better, my dear. Grandmother, what a great mouth you have. This is to eat you up. It's sun and tree worship. This is the English version of the story. And in the English version, the wolf eats Riding Hood, Red Riding Hood. This is the English version of the story. Here it stops. But in the German story, there is another ending to it. After the wolf has eaten up little Red Riding Hood, he lies down in bed again. A huntsman comes along, 
So he stepped into the cottage, and when he came to the bed, he found the wolf lying in. What do I find you here, you old sinner? cried the huntsman, and then taking aim with his gun, he shot the wolf quite dead. Now this ending helps us to see the full meaning of the story. One of the fancies in the most ancient Aryan and Hindu stories, it goes back that far, was that there was a great dragon was trying to devour the sun. You find the dragon in Revelation, the 12th chapter, Revelation, the 13th chapter. Dragon is the word dracon. It doesn't mean a fire-breathing dragon. It means to fascinate. That's what the fairy tales do. That's what the preachers are doing in America. They're preaching fairy tales. And to prevent him from shining upon the earth and filling it with brightness and life and beauty and that Indra, the sun god, killed the dragon. Now this is the meaning of Little Red Riding Hood as it is told in our nursery, nursery tales. Little Red Riding Hood is the evening sun which is always described as red or golden. The old grandmother is the earth to whom the rays of the sun bring warmth and comfort. The wolf, which is well-known figure for the clouds and blackness of night, light and dark. You were darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, Paul said to the Ephesians. Is the dragon in another form? First, he devours the grandmother. That is, he wraps the earth in thick clouds which the evening sun is not strong enough to pierce through. Then with darkness of night, he swallows up the evening sun itself, and all is dark and desolate. Then as in the German tale, the night thunder and the storm winds are represented by the loud snoring of the wolf. Then the huntsman, the morning sun, comes in all strength and majesty and chases away the night clouds, kills the wolf, revives old grandmother earth, and brings little red riding hood back to life again. Resurrection. It's nothing but a convolution of the Bible. That's what fairy tales are. Then he goes in Jack and the Beanstalk and its origin in Russian stories. I can't read all this. It would take me all day long to read all of it. I've got to get back to the main thing that I was talking So fairy tales are the same thing as demon tales. Fairies give you your wishes. Genies give you three wishes. Demons distribute fortunes. But I don't know of anybody else that actually studies these things. As we're talking about demons, I've been telling you what you... Well, let me finish this up up here. Fairy tales are demons, genies, genie tales, their totems. They are, they are guardian angels. And you have these in every culture. You've got them in America coming out of the Pentecostal, even the Baptist churches nowadays, and people are saying there's such thing as demons. There's no such thing as demons. That's man's imagination. The thing that's evil in man is his heart. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible does not say, if any man will come after me, let him deny his demons. It says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I've got a shirt on that says, daily cross is the only way to heaven. The back of the shirt says, predestination is the only way to heaven. Well, they're both one and the same. How can they be the same? Well, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Christ. Image is the word icon. It means likeness. Jesus bore a cross. We are required. The Bible says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Then Acts 14 uh, uh, John fourteen twenty seven, He that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. So you have to have a cross and you're predestined to be like Christ who bore his cross. Since there's none that seeketh after God and there's none good, none righteous and nobody is right with God, then you have to have a cross, and he has to put it in your heart to take one. Where do you get a cross? I've had so many people ask me that. You had to be condemned to a cross in the first century. You had to be a slave or a criminal. Christ was crucified as a criminal for breaking the law. And he didn't. They, they He had false witnesses against him. Now, there's something I've been wanting to go over with all of you. When people think of demons, they think of the man of the Gadarenes, don't they? They think of that man. You have to know that guardian spirits, this is all myth. It's mythology. Demons and fairies and genies and totems and and guardian angels and genius, that they call them in Rome. They're all mythology. They're just myth. There's something that's not true. If I was a demon, the person I'd go after is the people that don't believe in me, like Jim Brown. I don't believe they exist. They're not existent. They are gods. When you think of, when you think of demons, they called all of their gods demons. In the ancient world. Oops, I left my Bible down here. Let me get it. I'll just show you a couple of verses. Show you that that's what they called. At Corinth. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. This will show you that they called their gods demons. 1 Corinthians 10. And here in here in chapter 10, verse 20. But I say that these things with the Gentiles sacrifice. He's at Corinth. At Corinth, they worship Venus. They worship Aphrodite and all of these goddesses. And they called them all demons. And then it says, they sacrifice to devils. When you look that up in a concordance, it is the word daemonion. It's saying pagans sacrifice to these these things that they called demons. It was their ancestors. They called Venus one of their demons, one of their gods. They called Hercules a demon. 
And Hercules was nothing but a reinstitution of the prototype Nimrod. It all came from back there. And not to God. I would not that you should have fellowship with Daemonion. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. And the cup of Daemonion. You cannot die to self and live for self at the same time. You cannot be distributing fortunes to yourself. That word devils in verse 21 is daemonion. It comes from daemon, meaning to distribute fortunes. You can't die to self, drink God's cup, and distribute the devil's cup to yourself. You can't be doing that. That's like saying you can't be rich and poor at the same time. You cannot be giving up self and fulfilling self at the same time. Then he says again over here in Acts. Paul has come to, in Acts, the 17th chapter. Paul is on his second missionary journey, and he comes to, he comes to, to, uh, Athens. When he gets to Athens, he's talking to two men. He's running to some Epicureans, and that's one of the most popular cultural uh, philosophies that's out there. And when he runs into these guys at Athens, and they're Epicureans and Stoics, in verse 18. This will show you that they called their gods by the title of demons. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans, they were pagans. And of the Stoics, pagans, encountered Paul. And some said, what will this babbler say? They call Paul just a babbler. And others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange Gods. The funny thing about that, the word gods is daemonion. It's demon. Here they are saying, this Paul is telling us about strange demons. We've got our demons, but he's talking about this demon named Jehovah. That shows you they're referring to Paul's God as a strange demon. That means they have, they have demons that are not strange. That's all their gods there. Now, I'm going to read the rest of this because I love this right here. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know that this new, what this new doctrine, whereof thou speakest, is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians there at Athens, right outside of Athens, is the place where they kept all of their gods. And thou bringest certain strange thing to our ears, and we know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but philosophizing all the time, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, where they had all of these gods... Mars Hill was heathenism. 
and said, this is what Paul said to the men of Athens, I perceive in all things that ye are too superstitious. Boy, that is a fantastic word. Superstitious is the word D.C. Diabonesteros. Let me write that down. This was one of Larry Hill's favorite words. He'd always bring it up. D.C. D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S-T-E-R-O-S. It comes from two words. D-E-D-E-I-L-I-A. Which means timid or fear and daemonion. He said, the reason you've got all of these here at Mars Hill, you've got all of these gods at Mars Hill, because you have a fear of the gods, and you're afraid one of them might be right, and you don't know which one it is, so you retain all of them. That's what people will do when they write to them and say, well, Jim Brown, we believe you, and we believe Billy Graham, and we believe they will retain everybody. You can't do that. You've got to go with what's true. They had a fear of the demons there at Mars Hill in Athens. You can't have. You gotta either. You gotta. You gotta serve one or the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's what Jesus said in Matthew the sixth chapter. Now, the man, the man that everybody wants to come up with, is the man of the Gadarenes. Let me erase this up here. You gotta remember these things, guardian spirits, fairy tales, or demons, to a portion or distribute fortunes. They're deified ancestors, they're their genes. Theos and Daemonion were interchangeable among the demons. This is a documentation that I'm trying to give you on demons. Things to remember. Alright. Now Demons are just a way to get people. See, if you can tell people all you need to do is cast out the demon out of you, that way you can get up, go about your business, distributing fortunes the next day. If you get some guy wallowing on the floor and say, Oh, come out, thou foul spirit! And cast the demon out, then he can go out and make all the money he wants and cheat people and lie. Because all that made him do that, yeah, yeah do that kind of stuff, was a demon. It wasn't no such thing as a demon. You say, what's happening in these churches when these people walk down the aisle? Let me tell you what happens. I sang gospel music for years. I went into a whole bunch of Pentecostal churches. Pentecostalism funds gospel music. But 90% of the, of the people back it are Pentecostalism. I don't like Pentecostalism. I didn't say I don't like Pentecost. I do not like Pentecostalism. Tongues are wrong. It's a lie. Gloss and dialect. Dialectos are the two words for tongue. There, there was a different dialect of the Greek Koine common street language in every city state. I'm not going to go into that right now. It takes too long to go into it. I've got all kinds of messages on tongues. They're not true. Faith healing is not true. People say, don't you believe God heals? Well, he's healed me. 
but he didn't heal at the behest of some faith healer. Be healed. When he told the apostles, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He didn't mean you'll make a show of it. All they had to do was touch him. Without any show, touch him and they'd be healed. But the apostles had gifts that we don't have. It's called the gifts of an apostle in 2 Corinthians 12 and 12. They could raise the dead. They could they could uh, heal people. They could speak in a foreign language that they hadn't learned. Now, there's three places you're going to have to study to understand. When you're studying a chapter, especially in the Synoptic Gospels, The Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke. They have a synonymous view. John is a gospel that stands alone by itself. Whenever you have a when you have something in the Synoptic Gospels, read it in the other Gospels. If you've got a Bible like I've got, this is a Thompson Chain reference Bible. Anytime you have something that's in the other synoptic gospels with a synonymous view it'll have it out in the margin it'll have the other places where it's mentioned what I want us to do is look at where the man of the Gadarenes you see it'll say something in Matthew it doesn't say in Luke and you need to know that it makes a difference you're going to have let me separate them Let me put them out here like this. Matthew 8. Mark 5. And Luke 8. You've got to read all of them to understand what's going on. It'll say something in Matthew you don't have any idea He's going to say, if the only thing you do is read Luke 8. Luke 8 is the one everybody likes to go to all the time. Now, let's go over to Matthew, the 8th chapter. I want to show you the difference in some of these. Matthew, the 8th chapter. And let's just read it. And you'll see something that you didn't know was there before. I'll guarantee you. I have tried to stop and say some things, but sometimes I just don't get to everything. Now, right before, right before you've got the man of the Gadarenes in Matthew, the 8th chapter, right before it, in verse, in Matthew 8 and 24, you've got the great tempest rose. They entered into a ship in verse 23, and there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but Jesus was asleep in the ship. And his disciples came to him and woke and sang to him, Save us, or we'll perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith, O ye of oligos pistis? O-L-I-G-O-S. Puny faith. 
Well, you're going to find that also in Mark, the fifth chapter, right before the man of the Gadarenes. Compare them. Look at Mark 5, actually in 439. Mark 4. Mark 4. Let's just read it, see if there's any difference in it. Mark 4, 39. I've told you before, always compare the sister chapters in the, especially in the synoptic gospels. 4.35. This is right before the man of the Gadarenes in chapter 5. 4.35. And the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over on the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. The word ship doesn't mean a Queen Mary. It means boat. I don't know why they translated ship, but they did. There rose a great storm of wind. Oh, there's the storm. And where he's asleep in the boat. And the waves beat upon the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, I heard Fred Price one time say Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. He said he had a pillow here. He's talking about he didn't have a house. You moron. And they awake him and send him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I love that old song. Carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep? The winds and the waves obey his will. Peace be still. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. Stop. Can you imagine a great, huge wind blowing water all over the boat and it just stops that's proof that he was God and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said unto them why are you so fearful how is it you have how is it you have no faith he called it little faith but here it's no faith and they feared exceedingly and said unto another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him Oh, that's God in the boat with you. There's nothing like having, there's nothing like, nothing will measure up to having God in the boat with you. If God is in the boat with you, you're okay, no matter about the storm of life. Now then he goes into chapter 5, but before we read that, I want us to look at Luke 8, 34. And right after each of these, you're going to find the man of the Gadarenes. We're going to see what the difference is. Luke 8, 8 and 34. Now this is where the sea, but it has it right in the margin of my Bible, so it's easy for me to find. But I know where it is anyway. 8 and 34. And when they had fed them, saw that what was done... They fled and went and told it in the city and the country. Then they went to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm starting too late. And, I think it's 24. Huh? I think it's 24. Yeah, 24. In, 20, in 22, and it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship 
with his disciples and said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and they came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they filled and were filled with water, and they were in jeopardy. They were in danger. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and it ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? This is not man, this is God in the flesh. And he commanded even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now let's go back to Matthew. I want us to see the difference in this man of the Gadarenes. He's the one that repeatedly says he is possessed with devils. That is one word in the Greek. One word. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. You're going to find in McClinic and Strong and in dozens of other books, this word demonizomai means to be insane. And I got to turn around. To be insane. Insane has a meaning. I'd like to read it to you. I've got a got some papers on being insane, what it means. Insanity has to do with the inner and the outer man. When the outer man is taking over your life and you think I just can't have the I can't have the things the rich have and, and I'm frustrated and I've worked in my life. You're not supposed to have the things the rich people have as a believer. That's the whole point. I had Tracy told me here a while back, she said, you said some things to me years ago that she said it really made my life more easy and I could understand things. You said, since Jesus was a man of sorrows unacquainted with grief, that since we're predestined to be like him, we have to be people of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What makes us grievous? What makes us sorrowful? Ecclesiastes one eighteen, In much wisdom is much grief. The wiser you get, you're more grieved when you can see the truth about the world and they don't care about the truth. It grieves me every day. In much wisdom is much grief. He that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. So the smarter you get, the longer you live, the wiser you get, you're going to have grief and sorrow you're supposed to. Somebody says, I'm so sorrowful. I said, good. That means you're looking at the world for what it is. You can't handle it. As a young man, I thought there was something wrong with me. I was real nervous. I was trying to fit in with the world. I was in gospel music, trying to fit in with the gospel singers. And most of them were heathens. Womanizers chasing women, taking women to their hotel rooms, taking women to their bus, 
having sexual escapades in the back of the bus, drinking, pill-taking, sniffing coke, uh, smoking marijuana. That's what gospel singers do. Why do they do that? Let me tell you how you get in gospel groups and gospel music. If you like gospel singers and the three-part harmony, you hang around them every time they come to town. If you're good-looking, and that's part of it, if you're good-looking and they need a singer, when they get a break, they'll interview you. And if you look the part, they'll they'll hire you. I had There's a real famous group. They're a country group now. And they were a gospel group before... They were a country group. You may know who they are. And one of the singers in it, he's got a long beard. And when he didn't have that and he was young, I asked the lead singer for that group. I said, why did you hire him? He can't sing. He can't hardly sing a good baritone. He said, well, he looks good. He looked like Rory Calhoun when he was young, if you remember Rory Calhoun, the movie actor. Super handsome. The guy was good looking. He's not now. But he was really good looking. He said we hired him because he looked good. He hung around this group until finally they needed a baritone singer. Anybody can fit the baritone slot. Just as long as you got a good tenor singer and a good bass singer, the middle part can fit in. That's how you get into a group. And most of them, most of the gospel singers have never heard any truth in their life. If they hear anything, it's the lead singer that stands out front and MCs, and he usually doesn't know anything about the Bible. He'll just say, praise God, aren't you glad to be here? Aren't you glad you're safe tonight? Praise the Lord. That's all you get from them. So they never hear false doctrine, much less true doctrine. So they can live... Years and years and smoke pot and sniff coke and tell dirty jokes and cuss a blue streak. I sat down by a guy who's one of, with one of the most famous gospel groups of the 60s, 50s and 60s. And he was cussing like a sailor sitting at this table with him. And I thought, golly, what have I gotten into? Every time a woman walked, walked by, he'd say some lewd, lascivious thing. I think God's going to kill this guy and put him in hell quick. And he was very famous. That's what they're like. You cannot have your way with God. Now, let's get back to these. I want us to get back to these. I want us to go to the 8th chapter, and I want us to look at, in this 8th chapter, we'll look at the man of the Gadarenes. You're going to see something here you don't see. You don't see in Mark 5 and Luke 8. All right. Verse 28. When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, it's the same thing as Gadarenes. The Gadarenes were on the other side of either Jordan River or the Sea of Galilee on the far side. If this is the Sea of Galilee, is the Jordan River, and this is the Dead Sea, and this is Israel. And that's the boundary right there. Somewhere over here was the Gadarenes. We know they weren't Jews because they had unclean swine there. Now, 
It's the same man that you see. It's the same man that you see in Luke 8 and Luke and Mark 5. Same man. Or should I say, same men. <laughs> Puts a, another spin on it, doesn't it? When he was come to the side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils. Two. You don't have that over in Mark 5 and Luke 8. Possessed with devils means to be insane. But Jesus only addresses one of them. Particularly over in Mark 5 and Luke 8. He addresses one of them. Now let's keep reading. They were coming out of the tombs. What in the world are they doing in the tombs? They're hoping to talk to their ancestors. Their demons, their fairies, their genies. Exceeding fierce. Well, that word fierce is a magnificent word. Kalapos. C-H-E-L-O-P-A-C-H-A-L-E-P-O-S. C-H-A-L-E-P-O-S. Kalapos. Fierce. It means dangerous, difficult, perilous. This man was dangerous. Perilous. That word is only mentioned one other time in the New Testament. Over here in, look over here in Second Timothy. This is the only other time it's mentioned. Second Timothy 3 and 1. This is the only other time it's mentioned. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then it tells you, perilous here means it's, this is where the demons come in and this is what happens in your life when the demons are fierce in your life. Self is fierce in your life. I'll come back to this in a minute. But let's go back over here to to second to Matthew the eighth chapter. Fierce, dangerous, furious, perilous. Means we need to avoid these places. He's exceeding fierce that no man might pass by that way. He's a dangerous man. He'll hurt you. And behold, they cried out, saying, They, who is they? That's plural. That's the two men, isn't it? They, you've got to notice the small words. Notice that pronoun they is plural. There's two men. They cried out, saying, What have we, plural, two of them, to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Don't we have more time to be running around chasing and screaming and yelling? They were screaming and yelling and cutting themselves all over. They were nuts. They were insane. That's what possessed with demons meant. Gosh, I've got so much on that. Let me read something on insanity. 
Sanity means soundness, rational, healthiness of human mind. A person is not considered sane just if he or she is irrational. Then he says, Psychologist Eric Fromm in 1955 proposed that not just individuals but entire societies may be lacking insanity. Do I believe America is insane? Yes. I believe the whole nation is crazy. The president is trying to legalize crime in America. They're legalizing abortion. They're legalizing gay marriage. They're legalizing adultery. They're legalizing everything. And they think it's happy, fun, and games. Fromm argued that one of the most deceptive features of social life involves consensual validation. In other words, the whole system consents to this insanity. It is naively assumed that the fact that the majority of people share certain ideas or feelings proves the validity of these ideas and feelings. Nothing is further from the truth. Just because the majority votes for it doesn't mean anything. The truth is the truth whether anybody believes it or not. Nothing is further. The fact that millions of people share the same vices does not make this these vices virtues. The whole nation, all of Hollywood votes that lesbianism is okay, that homosexuality is okay. All of Hollywood votes for that, except a certain few. The fact that they share so many errors does not make the errors to be truth. We are in the apostasy. We're at the end of time. I believe that. I don't see how we could go another 20 years. I'm not setting a time. I'm just saying I don't see how we could. And the fact that millions of people share the same form of mental pathology does not make these people sane. I've told you when Michael, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy that did all the, the, uh, the cultural things about America. Michael Moore. Michael Moore, yeah, I can't think of his name. He was walking through a through a hallway with a psychiatrist. He said, is it possible for 300 million people to be deceived? And the psychiatrist said, absolutely it is. He's talking about America. The whole nation is deceived. It doesn't matter what men say. It's what the Bible says. What gets me is they say it's it's terrible to have uh, homosexuals in the military. I traveled in military bases. I saw so much adultery going on. <laughs> what about adulterers in the military? You want to kick all them out too? And then he says, legal definitions of sanity have been little explored by science and medicine. It remains completely impossible to prove sanity. Kabarsky has pointed out repeatedly insanity to various degrees is widely is widespread in the general population. The world is insane. Now let me let me read you what sane is. Sane insane means to be deranged 
or mental illness to upset the arrangement or order or disorder to make some senseless, impractical unsoundness of mind. Remember, Paul spoke of sound of mind. Hugiano means to be whole-minded, means to be pure-minded. Insane means to be irrational. The mental unsoundness lacking the power to reason, contrary to reason, utterly illogical nature, corrupt. Rotten, morally unsound. There's a Greek word for rotten. It's called phthero. P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. It means rotten. Paul said, your thinking is rotten when you think this way. I believe America is thinking rot. That's what they're doing. Sane means having a normal, healthy, and sound, rational judgment. America doesn't have that. Now, these guys, these two guys, were insane. Now, let's get back to where we were. Matthew 8, so we've got We've got two men. Two men. And it goes on to say, Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we, plural, both of us, to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us? Let us have more time to run through the tombs and try to talk to our ancestors. They believed they could talk to their ancestors if they lived in the tombs. And there was a good way off them that them that, that them and heard of many swine. The word swine is boar. That means male pigs. We know these weren't Jews. That was an unclean animal. They were on the pagan side of Galilee. So the devils, two of them. It's talking about the two men. The word is daemonion. I am convinced in my heart that demons are self. They're, the, they're evil men that God does not redeem. Jesus said that in so many words. So the devils, the daemonion, the two of them said to Jesus, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. They thought they were going to... The most famous swine of that day was Osiris among the pagans. They said when people in Egypt died, they got to go be in the presence of Osiris, the great boar in their heaven. And these had to be pagans. Couldn't have been Jews. Calling these swine. And the two men besought Jesus, saying, If thou cast us, plural, out, suffer us, plural, two of us, to go away into the swine. And Jesus said unto the two, to them, plural. Notice that. Notice the we and the them. It's always plural, because there's two of them. Go, Jesus said. When they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. 
And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Well, that's very important. They ran into the sea. When Babylon is destroyed, she's always sinking into the sea. But it doesn't say the sea over here in Luke 8. It says into the lake. It says into the sea here. That's very important to know. Now, let's read on. And he said in them, go, and when they, when, when they, plural, the two of them, were come out, they went into the herd of swine. They just are imagining they're going into the herd of swine. What was going into the herd of swine was self. That's the problem. Everywhere you find an unclean spirit, it's self. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything that what was befallen to the possessed of devils. Possessed with devil is the word demonizomai. It means to be insane. Goodness, I got so many things on that. I I can't even get to everything. It's just, it's all through my papers. If I'm going to document it. All right, hold on here. All right. McClinic and Strong. Documentation. The P volume. Look up possessed. And it'll say possessed with devils. Out of McClinic and Strong. It's a usual rendering of the authorized version of the Greek Damonidzai. These were persons afflicted with disease as epilepsy, paralysis, dumbness where they couldn't talk, especially with melancholy and insanity. Whence the the healed are said to have be of sound mind. When you get into Luke 8, when Jesus cast self out, Boy, how how this is really something. You've got to look at this as one big picture. Because in Luke 11 and in Matthew 8 and Matthew 12, the Bible says God cast out devils by his word. Luke 12, the Bible says he cast out devils by the spirit. And the spirit is truth. That's when he writes the truth upon fleshy tables of our hearts. Writes truth. And Luke 11, Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, what does he do with his finger? Well, over in the Old Testament, he wrote up on tables of stone. They kept that inside the Ark of the Covenant, tables of stone. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark was sprinkled 
And in the New Testament, he sprinkles our hearts and he writes with his finger upon fleshy tables of our hearts. So that's how he cast out devils. And he does that in Hebrews, the 8th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So devils are cast out by the finger of God when he writes upon fleshy tables of our heart. That's the same thing he was doing. He was writing upon fleshy tables of this man of the Gadarenes, and he was casting out self. Let's clarify this one more time. Well, let me read the rest of this. Everything of this kind, the Jews like the Greeks and Romans referred to evil spirits taking possession of men. It's nothing but sin. Then it says, the case was the same among ancients with these extraordinary events and achievements accomplished by men which seemed too great to proceed from the natural human powers. Not only hallucinations, melancholy, and epilepsy, but also the ravings of Bacantes and Corbantes were viewed as proceeding from superhuman inspiration. Hence, to demonize is the common Greek expression meaning to be insane, the inability to think rational. And it goes on through more and more of this. I've got many papers that tells you possessed with devils means to be crazy. Well, this guy has to be crazy. So he was possessed with devils. Now, let's go to Mark. See if Mark says some things that Matthew 8 or Luke 8 doesn't say. Go over here to Mark. You've got to compare these. Mark is going to say some things in Mark, the fifth chapter. This is the same man. Before I go there, though, how much time do I have, Mike? Ten. What? Ten. That's it? I'll have to come back next week. We're going to find things in Mark 5. The guy's going to be among the tombs, cutting himself all over, screaming and yelling. He was nuts. There's something I want to put in on this before I go any further. Mark 1. I'll put this in, then I'll come back next time and get more explanatory, okay? Mark 1. You see, this is a bigger story. You have to know how they thought in the first century. They called everything a demon. If they were sad or melancholy or they were mad or they're angry, those pagans called everything a demon. And they're not. That's just the outer, that's the outer man in a man because he can't get the things that he wants. Now, Jesus comes to Here in, uh, he comes to the synagogue, verse 21. They went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. They were shocked, means to strike out, amazed. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out. It had he had an unclean spirit, 
in my Bible, it's got in the margin Luke 4.33. Luke 4.33 is the same man, but as Luke gives his account of the man. And the man cried out, saying, Let us alone. He uses plural us. The pagans believed that demons came in great hordes in many, like in legion, 3,000 or more. What have we, plural, to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And then Jesus, they kept saying we. They always called demons feminine gender, the people in the first century. When the Bible refers to demons, it refers to them neuter gender. They really are not anything. They don't exist. And Jesus rebuked him. He had an unclean spirit, and Jesus rebuked a U T O. That's our word, A U T O. Now, when we say A U T O, that's our word, self. A U T Omega. That is the word him. They would use a form of A-U-T-O to say self, him, or her. A-U-T. Ada on the end of a word. That's her. So auto can be auto or auté. It just depends on what the word ending is. So it's all nothing but self. That's what it is. He rebuked self, the man. The man, from his viewpoint, self was him. You have to know that's the way they talked. Self could always also be him or her. Self could also be... Sometimes they would put, here's the masculine, feminine, neuter, Sometimes they would put whole for for self. They would put hay for feminine self. They would put toe for neuter self. But that's the way the Greeks wrote. Doesn't matter whether we like it or not. Now, so here's this man. He says, what have we to do with thee? And Jesus rebukes himself. That's why we have to die ourselves. Well, when you go to Luke 4, and verse 33, this is the same man. I'm bringing out a point. Luke 4, same man. So whatever whatever it's called in Luke 4 is going to be self in Mark 1, right? So, verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man which had the spirit of an unclean, doesn't say spirit, it says daemonion, devil. So an unclean daemonion equals, equals A-U-T-O, doesn't it? Doesn't that unclean demon equal self? 
So everywhere you find an unclean spirit, it's just going to be self. Everywhere you find the unclean spirit. This is the way things have to add up. You can't have anything. Everything must balance just like a math equation. Has to. In fact, I need to go back, not now, but next time I teach, I need to go back to 2 Timothy 3 and 1. In the last days, perilous, kill-ops, perilous times come. And everything that follows the perilous times has to do with self or demon. Now, let's go over here, go back to Mark 5. I'm going to run out of time. When I come back, I'll come back to this same subject. Next time will be part two. I want to go through this to show you. Go to Mark 5. Here's this same man. It's going to say some things that Matthew, the 8th chapter, didn't say. There's a man with an unclean spirit in verse 2. It doesn't show two men, but there's two men there from Mark, from Matthew 8, right? Who had his dwelling among the tombs. He's wanting to talk to his ancestors. I'll go back into that next time I teach. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. word chain does not mean a metal chain. When a person is super angry, are super excited. They have super strength. You've heard about little old 85-pound ladies where a car fell down on their nephew or their grandson and they go out and pick the car up. A tremendous amount of adrenaline. That's what this man has got going through him. It just, the word chain is hallucis. It means a fetter of some kind. Could have been a rope. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains doesn't mean a metal chain. And had been plucked asunder by him and fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. He's wild. He's nuts. He's crazy. Always night and day he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Reminds us of Elijah when he's on Mount Carmel in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings where he meets these 450 prophets of Baal and they're cutting themselves all over all day long. That was something they did among the pagans to appeal to their gods. It's kind of like the Roman Catholics suffering physical pain, torturing themselves. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Evidently he was... Elect. So he's cutting himself with stones. He's crazy. He said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. He knew that Jesus was going to torment him because he's going to get rid of that self in him. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean, what? Daemonion? We've already figured out that Daemonion, unclean spirit, was a demon. 
daemonion. And it was self. Self equals unclean spirit equals demon. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. A legion of Roman soldiers was 3,000 soldiers at one point. It was increased to 6,000 at another. Now, I want to know, how did this man know that he had 3,000 demons in him? Did he count them? What school of theology did he go to to study demonology? Or did he go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 3,000. Who told him that? His society told him that. Did he have 3,000 demons? No. You've got to realize, just because somebody says something in the Bible doesn't mean it's true. And he besought him much that he would send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils, there were two of them there, besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And notice what happens. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran down bodily down a steep place into the sea. That's very important. If you'll say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. So shall Babylon sink into the sea in Revelation 18. I'll go through those verses next time I come. Send us into the swine, and they went into the sea. They were all about 2,000 were choked in the sea. Names them as 2,000 there. I'm out of time. I'll come back and resume. This is a long study. I hope I've revealed when you go into the 8th chapter of Luke, you're going to see some things that's not in these others. You've got to read the same chapters in the different books to get the whole picture. I hope you understand that. I have to stop. We're out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. Let us see that our only problem is us. That's the demon. That's the that's the schizophrenia. The two men is this inner and outer man. The outer man is the demon that's in us. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Fight our battles for us. Lead us to your elect. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Fight our battles for us, Lord. I'll come back to this very subject. It takes too long to go through this. Does that help any? Some? To show you there's a difference in the chapters. Things added that are not in the other chapters.